You're listening to the Winter Interview Series on the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, brought to you by Xmark Manufacturing. 30 years of pioneering spirit and innovation have resulted in legendary durability, all-day comfort, and unmatched cut quality. Go check them out at xmark.com and Crest Commercial, introducing the 8-Minute Cyber System, the industry's first truly game-changing innovation in commercial battery-powered OPE. Professional landscape can now replace their gas-powered equipment without sacrificing performance, power, or runtime. For more information or to find a Cress dealer near you, visit Cress.com. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. The weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 449, entitled Interview with Phil Leger from Vision Landscapes. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. And for the questions and comments and uh, feedback that you guys send through, I really do appreciate that. If uh, you guys are wanting to uh, come onto the podcast, uh, there's still time. Spring is uh, quickly approaching, but there's still time to get in on the winter interview series. Uh, just uh, if you follow me on Instagram, just send me a DM or uh, head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com and go to the contact page and just send a quick email. Uh, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome uh, this week's uh, guest to the show, Phil Leger. Hey, Phil, how's it going? Hey, Julio. Thanks for having me. It's going well, thanks. Uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, doing this. A lot of people uh, will know you uh, from social media uh, as uh, Phil uh, Vision. That's correct. Yeah, it's kind of a blend of my uh, my my, na- my name and my company, Vision Landscapes. Uh, for the longest time, people thought Vision was my last name uh, until I, I changed it there on social media and people have said, oh, that's not your last name. Well, nope, it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I saw recently that um, you uh, on social media had posted. Uh, actually, I think it was your wife uh, that was on your social media posting, uh, saying uh, to uh, anybody out there with podcasts to get you on that you had just done a podcast and uh, you should do more of them. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, she might be biased, but I think she's one of my biggest fans. And I had just done one recently. Uh, I don't have the the time. I don't think to uh, to have one myself. It'd be a fun thing one day. And now I'm taking my hand, trying my hand at YouTube, yeah. and uh, posting a video every single week, having a lot of fun at that. And I have uh, I have a high level of respect for. I mean, you mentioned your episode of way over 400. That's a lot of determination. That's a lot of uh, many many years. And yeah. uh, it's, that's I'm I'm honored to be on it. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, thank you. Very kind words. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a grind to say the least since 2015. Every Tuesday, making sure an episode, whether I was out of the country or in the country or whatever the case may be, making sure that episode is always uh, on there on a Tuesday morning. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's quite the dedication. So you said you've dipped your toes into YouTube this year. So how's that been going? 
I would, it's you know what it's it's a bit easier than I expected, but like my personality is coming out through this, and it's probably making things more complicated. I have a background in photography, I have a background in like in video filming a little bit. It was a career that I had considered about a, uh, fifteen years ago. Okay, uh, I, I was in it part time, and then I got married, and I realized I needed to have a stable job. Mm to to raise a family so i went into the green industry and i kind of put that on the back shelf for a while and i'm slowly getting back into it um it's going great i'm bought myself a new camera i haven't bought a camera uh, or fancy lenses and like i said with over 15 years so it's it's kind of fun to reconnect with this passion i once had mm -hmm. uh video editing is something totally new to me i never really edited i was editing videos back on vhs's back in the day that's oh, yeah. how long it's it's been <laughs> since uh since uh, and the only thing you would do is just uh you know splice splice and cut videos but, yeah yeah uh, it like copy over sections and stuff but yeah it's uh, it's fun to see how the industry has developed so much and i'm doing this just to give back um i think that you're doing that as well i've been in this industry for a very long time over 15 years in the green industry and have had ups and downs and i've learned a lot along the way and if i can uh, use this platform of YouTube to share my journey, share uh, some tips and tricks, and have fun at the same time. Uh, let's go! Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. You you sound very uh, similar to me. Uh, when I think back, uh, you know, out of high school and stuff, my big thing was I was going to be an audio engineer, and I went to school for audio engineering, and I was working in recording studios and doing. Uh, ended up doing more post production for movies and stuff because of being in Vancouver, Hollywood North. There was a lot of that available, so I was doing a lot of that sort of stuff when I first started and uh, started to see that it just wasn't for me, the sort of uh, the uh, post-production part of it, of doing like sound effects and things like that. It was just so tedious and boring. It, my um, attention span, I just couldn't deal with it sitting there for long periods of time and you'd be doing like a fight scene for some like B-movie and they'd be like, hey, it just doesn't sound right. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like nobody's going to watch this anyways. <laughs> you know, it's such a terrible movie or whatever the case may be. So I ended up, uh, like you said, I, I had met my wife or a few future wife at the time and I was like I, you know I, I think I want to settle down and uh, this isn't going to pay the bills uh, uh, doing this stuff so I'm going to have to figure out some other path so sounds very uh, kind of a familiar and kind of neat to uh, years later as you're doing with YouTube to be uh, with me and podcasting stuff to kind of connect those dots uh, when you look back and going hey look I actually am using some of those skills I learned back uh, in the day when I was doing that uh, previously. So kind yeah, of absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, like you said, and I, I think it's a lot easier to get into the green industry than to get into these other domains, right? And people do make a career in videography and and uh, video editing and that kind of stuff. But it, it comes to a lifestyle. You know, you're going to be working weekends, nights. You're going to be working. And nothing that we don't, but it's a different kind of work, right? So, yeah. uh, I don't uh, working outside. I'm, I'm sure you'd agree. Nothing beats it, and yeah. I can't trade it for. I can't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's what I always say. I always say on a on a sign. People always ask me like, how you been? You know, dealing with it. Um, you know, year after year, especially here in Vancouver, a lot of rain and stuff like that. And I say, you know what? It just takes a couple of sunny days, and there's nothing you trade <laughs> in the world for it. To be outside mowing lawns or whatever the case may be on your own schedule. Doing it's like it's fantastic, um, so yeah, that's a, a very uh, very neat sort of connection there. So uh, tell us a little bit because I I met you in person there uh, at the Equip Expo uh, back in October. Um, had um, yeah, Paul Camara was uh, was my uh, Uber driver that week. Uh, he had offered to pick me up from my hotel and stuff. And uh, one of the days he pulled up and you were in the the back seat of the car uh, and. Uh, 
we uh, got to, a ride there to the uh, the expo, uh, courtesy of Paul. Uh, so uh, I briefly heard uh, your story there in that the brief little five minute drive to the expo about you starting out in lawn care and landscaping sort of stuff, and then kind of transitioning to uh, uh, tree care and stuff that you're doing now, uh, arborist work. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Yeah, so I started my uh, officially my business in 2009. I had been working and cutting grass before then with my twin brother. We had been walking around ever since the age of 12 years old, mowing lawns for the neighbors, trying to earn that 10 bucks, right? So anything within walking distance, we were walking to for 10 bucks, and that was our go-to rate, which is pretty good money, pretty good coin for for young kids. Yeah, And we we grew that up, developed it, and my dad took control of the business when we were 16 or 17. He wanted to... Uh, help us grow it and we needed a bit of direction so we tripled from 30 to 90 lawns at the ages of of 17 um which was 17 or 18 which was a lot of a lot of fun he had then bought us trucks and said okay guys uh like i was doing a lot more of the administration back-end work and we were invoicing him per hour that kind of a thing and uh, so that was that was an interesting uh, situation it was not profitable at all for my dad i can guarantee you that he didn't lose (laughs) money he didn't make any yeah but it was a great it was a great help for us we learned how to uh deal with more than you know just a handful of clients deal with uh, the rush of uh the rush of having you know a full full schedule this Mm -hmm. is not just a go out and work in the afternoons anymore as it had been the year before we would uh we'd start at 9 a.m we'd go to subways every lunch and we'd take a two-hour nap at home and we'd go back out to work it it was not a profitable summer uh before the Mm -hmm. 90 clients but when we we got that 90 clients it was it was a game changer so the next year uh my brother and i went to landscaping school we each graduated with a a general landscaping degree so it's like a third woodworking a third uh, vegetation management and the third of uh, paving stones. Okay. We e- each opened up our own companies. We were 20 years old. This is in uh, uh, 2009, in the spring of 2009. So we each opened up our own companies and my dad in turn resold us half, uh, half the company each. We each started off individually with about 45 homes each. Okay. And we decided, we decided to be better for us to go separately. You know how that family and business sometimes don't mix. I mean, I'm best of friends with my brother, but we decided just to do this individually. And, uh, I think it's, I think it's been a good decision. And from there, we each kind of pursued our own, our own niches. I started off in lawn mowing. Uh, he had that as well. I, and he ended up selling me all his lawn roots eventually. And he became more specialized in like paving stones and interlocking. Okay. And I was more of like this, more of the stockscaper, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. So I got up to about 120 homes, uh, bought a Walker lawnmower, had Toro tractors, I had the big old cup cadet walk behind. So went through, you know, all the good and the bad of, <laughs> of running multiple pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this, this is way before the battery age, right? So yeah, I yeah. got in and, uh, so a long time ago, I was, I had hopes and dreams of maybe having, you know, a fully electric fleet, fully battery fleet. I was, okay. Uh, I, I'd heard about these, <laughs> I'd heard about, you know, rumors of battery equipment, but never really, never came to fruition. I kind of sold the lawn mowing route before the, the, the big battery uh, revolution and went into full time hedge trimming, actually. Okay. Interesting. I had slowly started selling off my route of lawns and wanting to do something that was a bit different 
Um, I think for some people, um, having that regular schedule of, you know, I'm going out to cut grass and that's all I'm going to do is what they can handle and it's what they want to do. But for me, I quickly realized that I did not want to have, it was a bit too monotonous for me. I'm not saying it is for everybody, but for me, I wanted a bit more of a challenge. So I started selling off my route, like at a rate of about 25% every year and had an extra day in the week that I could go out and do other work. Because, you know, when you're lawn cutting, you only have so many days in the week. I had yeah. I was working Monday to Friday. I don't want to work weekends. It's not physically possible to go out and you know mow three hundred homes. Like I had hit my cap at one twenty, mm-hmm. and the bad news was that um, I I didn't have time to pursue any other activities such as hedge trimming. So I had to make a decision. The decision was to okay, well we have to start selling, getting out of our comfort zone. My comfort zone was those 120 lawns that's my guaranteed income i know that i'm going to get x amount per month yeah and i had to i had to stop that i had to 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 be able to expound and to grow a business into something else i had to get rid of it and mostly because i was at the time and i'm not anymore i was at the kind of at the time the kind of guy that just wanted to be there all the time when employees were there yeah yeah, i could not i did you ever experience that like you don't really want to trust anybody else with the work not that you not that they're not trustworthy but yeah, you're yeah. just like a, that's why i'm still a solo operator 18 years later <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> too much oh, con- too much control uh you know issues there of uh a part of it uh is is that definitely of having that kind of uh worrying about that uh employees uh because with yourself as obviously uh, you probably sound similar you know the quality of the work you're doing my customers come out each week they're super happy with the work they're always telling me how good of a job i do that it's like the best lawn on the block and all that sort of stuff right so you always have that in the back of your head going well i can't ever really let that go because these you know if i ever get you know employees or whatever they're not going to care as much as i care uh, about it right that sort of thing was that sort of kind of that similar feeling for you yeah i was an absolute 100 percent perfectionist on on those things like even for snow removal i'd go out every centimeter and people and my competitors were like phil like you're you're giving hospital level service for residential. So for I was not stealing too many clients from them. It's just that like it was like creating unexpected expectations. Like, hey, my snow guy's better than yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it was I guess not the best because you got to set boundaries. And I was always like a, a client pleaser, which was, which is okay. And you have to be at first, but eventually you have to you have to examine. And if I had somebody else look at my business and tell me that maybe I would have realized it sooner, but, um, I didn't have that kind of person to be able to like, to look. And I think that's, what's the good thing about social media these days is you can bounce ideas off other people that are not, that are not your in town competitors, people that live across the country, people that, um, that have a way more experience. Like I learned so much through social media and uh, these podcasts and YouTube videos and yeah, things. Yeah. So uh, that's where I was. And I, I realized that I had to take a step back, but I, I did it gradually. So I, eventually I, I let my main guy who was cutting grass with me take over the lawn mowing route entirely. Okay. Uh, so then I was free five days a week to do grass cutting, which was, uh, oh, sorry, to do hedge trimming now, yeah. right? Yeah. So w- which was, which was revolutionary for me. Um, I was able then to, you know, focus a lot more on developing this. So, you know, okay, what systems are best to use? So I had used anything from tripod ladders that were wooden. Like I had I'd gone to an orchard, a really cool story. An old, the old owner of the orchard there, he had his workshop and he would make all the wooden, uh, 
orchard style ladders for oh, the wow. orchards and he would he would sell them to contractors who would want to um buy ladders for their own business so yeah. um i ordered my first ladders from him and they're really well made like the, they were wood uh, they were very light um but a bit dangerous, to be honest with you. Actually, I made a YouTube video on this uh, explaining that, you know, they, they slip on asphalt. And I took a I took a hard fall on mm. one because I had it on asphalt. They're not like these fancy Japanese Hasegawa ones yeah, I yeah, use yeah. now. Um, they have like a safety chain and whatever. They're a lot safer, a uh, lot, lot, lot safer on the ladder. Mm. Um, lunch, yeah, so, yeah, I was able to like, develop and fully focus on this, what's best. I had a painter scaffolding, which was really interesting. It was like two by six aluminum tubing, very light, not like brick, brick layer scaffolding. Okay. But the, um, the painter scaffolding was a lot more narrow. It was wheeled and I had two sets. So oftentimes I'd get on top of a hedge, if you can visualize this and I'd be trimming the sides, but like from 10 feet up in the ground, uh, 10 feet up in the air. And my assistants, my ground crew would move one scaffolding set. And while I was trimming on the other one, as, and I would hopscotch around a property, and oftentimes I would never have to touch ground, mm. uh, like the whole uh, the whole you know for like four hours, wow, or so. So I kind of liked that kind of efficiency. I was yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. find ways to do things quicker, and I've always loved heights. I do not have a fear of heights. Mm. So this was this was my alley. I realized that hedge trimming was my passion, and I wanted to really develop this and go at it full time. So this is around 2000 and I'd say, uh, 15, 16, 17, 18. Those years, uh, were, were the heyday of hedge trimming. I would, I trim a thousand year, a thousand hours of hedges a year, which wow. is a lot, yeah. which is a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. You sound a lot like, um, my brother-in-law who also is, uh, and actually kind of, it's interesting when you talk about you and your brother and stuff. And, uh, for me, it's me and my brother-in-law, uh, who uh, I started out in uh, lawn care first. I bought a, a franchise uh, with a local company that uh, actually they're from Australia uh, and I expanded to Canada and I bought a franchise. I saw a bunch of franchise uh, trailers driving around. So I bought one and I thought like a month into it, I was like, this would be perfect for my brother-in-law. He's like, uh, he was working at Home Depot at the time stuff. And I was like, man, this would just be like just his work ethic and stuff like that. So we kind of told him and uh, he uh, ended up buying a franchise as well. And he's been doing it ever since. Uh, not franchise. He left the franchise uh, the same time I left it eventually and uh, went his own way as well. Uh, but it's interesting because he's a, he's a monkey like you. He loves heights. And when you're telling your story with the, uh, the scaffolding, immediately I start to think about Christmas lights. When we do Christmas light jobs, we would do them together. And we'd get some houses that were like so tall. We'd, we'd need like the 32-foot extension ladders. And we'd put oh two of them side by side. And he would go to the top of one, start laying it. Then he would do the hopscotching to the next ladder. And then I would go to the first ladder and then move it around to the next spot. And he wouldn't come down the whole ladder. Like he would do the whole no. house going from ladder to ladder. <laughs> That's, that's terrifying yeah <laughs> but he was just like he's just not afraid of heights at all just like not an issue i'm like you're crazy i keep telling him up there you're crazy <laughs> well that actually caught up to me eventually um didn't really have any accidents but that kind of led me into thinking i was doing these big tall hedges and i always wanted to find a way and trying to please my clients i didn't want to say no Big hedges, you know, reducing 20, 24 foot hedges down to 16 feet. If any of you know how crazy that yeah, is, that's, that's some of the hardest work that you'll ever do because you're cutting off eight foot sections. You're oftentimes in a very deep hedge with a big pole saw 
and you need to be standing on the 15th or 16th rung or the 16th ladder, which is stupid, plain, plain stupidity. So I'm up there risking my life doing dumb stuff for, you know, pretty good money. And I'm realizing I got to do something safer here. There has to be a better way. So I had a helmet. I had a helmet. That was kind of didn't really fix any problems, but at least I, I look proper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then, then, um, oh, I should buy a rope and a roofer's harness, which I, I still have today in a box that I never opened up, mm. thankfully. But I bought it because I thought, look, if I'm going to be standing on that top ladder, maybe I should try to put the rope around a tree and wear a harness. Now, I didn't know any knots. I didn't know anything like I know today. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm kind of glad I did not open that box because maybe I'd be suspended from a tree somewhere uh, <laughs> with, with like the, you know, the fire trucks or somebody coming to get me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all do dumb things though, when you're starting out, right? It's one of those things and you're trying to please. I did one once where it was a quote and they had, it, it was like right in the beginning of my business. I was actually with the franchise company still. <clears throat> and uh, it, they, you would take on like anything, any sort of odd job as well to fill in the time and stuff. And this client called, they wanted a quote, they had their gutter uh, downspout just come disconnected from like the gutter on the second floor. And so I drove out there to go look at it. And uh, they had um, like the first floor had a small little roof that kind of extended like maybe two feet around the, the property. And then the second story roof extended like the sort of the E from there. Um, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to go above and beyond. And instead of actually quoting them, I'm just going to take the ladder off my truck, go up there, fix it, and free of charge. Like, no problem. Here's our customer service. We're fantastic. So I go get my ladder. Here at the point, they they didn't know I was going to show up to their property on that day. Um, it was kind of like open. I just told them I would you know, show up during the week whenever I could take a look at it. So I showed up. Nobody was home. So I thought, okay, I'll do this. Nobody knew where I was, including my own family. And I go and set up this ladder. I go up and I'm like, oh, I just can't quite reach it. Oh, but if I stand on this first little roof, uh, I can get up there. So I, I get off my ladder to get on the roof and realize that it's like cedar shakes and they're all wet. And it's oh, super slippery. <laughs> Once I got on there, I was like, oh, I can't move. I'm going to fall off this roof if I even like twist. I can't even get back on the ladder. Like I was so terrified. I couldn't even like try to fix the gutter or whatever. Cause I was like, there's no way I can even move. I was like frozen there for like probably 30 minutes. Like going, what do I do? Nobody knows I'm here. If I fall off this ladder and you know, it could be a while before they even come to the backyard and find me like dead on the ground or patio sort of thing, right? Uh, eventually, I made it back on the ladder, but I was like, I would, n- I never did that again. I was like, never, ever will I do that <laughs> again. But again, it's that trying to please the customers, try to, you know, go uh, above and beyond and, you know, try to make a good impression. But I was like, uh, I guess a good impression is probably not to, on their concrete. So <laughs> it's probably not the impression that they would want. Yeah, and uh, I, at least I was charging top dollar for it. Yeah, I wasn't, there you like, go. Working, <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't working for for cheap. I, I I realized though there had to be a better and safer way. And I look back at the stuff that I did, and I'm, I'm thankful where we are today. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was later on that year I met James. James is a climbing arborist. He had some experience out in Calgary. He had just moved out here, and he was working for a tree guy. He wasn't super happy with that environment. So I said, hey, come along. We do a lot of hedge trimming, but maybe we could start doing tree work as well. And we started to. And the next spring, so this is 2019 into 2020, COVID hit, 
And we had, uh, you know, I had ordered equipment, I'd ordered a chipper, I'd ordered a brand new chip truck designed. I had a fair amount of savings, right, from all my years in business. And all right, let's get into tree work. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was a bit of a scary start to the year, not knowing what would happen. But it ended up being one of our busiest years to date. And, uh, yeah, I learned to climb that year. So April, I was like, all right, if we're in lockdown, I'm going to buy a harness and uh, some ropes, and I'm going to try to climb. So I uh, heaved myself up my parents' tree a few times and uh, learned to – they had a big tree. They had a good – I was living just down the road, okay. but uh, I didn't have a good climbing tree. It, it was a silver maple that was all overhung. Um, so the, the tree at my dad's house is a bit better. To, to learn on. And then James eventually throughout the year, I perfected my skills and it really helped me a lot to become uh, the climber who I am today. And yeah, so I've been climbing since then. I'm a climbing uh, arborist. I'm studying for my ISA exam this winter. I, uh, we still do a lot of head trimming in the business. So the company's kind of evolved ever since then. Uh, James and I worked with a, a few different people on and off throughout those years. But last year we were up to eight employees. Nice. So, uh, yeah, Vision Landscapes is 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 growing. We're not only doing head trimming, we're doing trees, we're doing planting, we're doing uh, yeah anything that has to do with vegetation that's off the ground. Now, um, I always loved horticulture. Uh, we don't offer too much of it just as of now. I mean, we'll shape like small little boxes and stuff, and we'll do some planting. But I'd like to start and have staff that is able to tent for gardens we get so much demand yeah and having having the name vision landscapes has kind of like kept the door open for that uh, complete care for the clients you mm-hmm. know no we're not just we're not just tree care we're you know we're, we're out there to take care of the total landscape which includes trees yeah yeah no that's awesome uh this next uh question is one that i love asking uh entrepreneurs uh mostly because uh if, when i ask somebody who works for themselves uh i always get uh, a different answer but when i ask somebody who uh has a 9 to 5 job is an employee the answer is typically always the same uh so that question for you phil is how would you define success how would i define success well <sighs> I I don't believe in flash in the pan. I believe in, you know, making a predict- uh, success is something that's accumulative over many years. It's not going to happen overnight. It's something that re- it's the result of hard work. Um, there's a one one job at the end of last year. You know, we had been through the ice storm. We had been through many, many different. Um, we had a big, crazy windstorm that hit as well. And we had a tree that was on top of a client's house. And it was a terrible situation for them. And they needed it gone ASAP. They trusted us. We showed up. We closed off the road. We brought in a crane. We brought in our lift. I went on the roof uh, without a harness to do that. I mean, there was no other option to do it. I had to be on, like, the roof pitch to be able to to dislodge and make some cuts right Mm -hmm. um that was uh, the way that our crew acted that day the way that we were able to fully dismantle this super tricky situation was incredible and it was the result and from you know many months of practice and working all together all this synergy coming together and and a perfect big job coming off flawlessly for me that was like the highest point of the year and that was like that was like a big success as an event, right? And the okay. accumulation of those events, uh, whenever I see work happening, clients are happy, um, and stuff 
um, goes off, you know, uh, execu- execution of, of our work is, is done well. That's what I would describe as success. Not as, oh, we hit a crazy amount this year in dollars. It, mm-hmm. It's no, it's all these little things that you're putting in place are, are, are making your every single day uh, more enjoyable and profitable. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Again, like I said, that's why I love that question because uh, that was another unique answer <laughs> that I've never heard before. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. I, and it's funny because uh, the podcast is called Lawn Care Business Success and people always think it's it has sort of a, a singular meaning, but uh, that's why I called it that because success to me uh, is defined by the freedom and stuff that I have uh, versus when I was an employee and being told uh, you know, uh, what days I had to work doing shift work or when I could take vacation with my family and all that sort of stuff. And for me being on my own self-employed, that was success for me. And every person that I've asked always has a different answer. Uh, And that's why uh, the the podcast is called what it is, because it's different for every business. Uh, You you make it your own. Yeah. And I, I, I would, I mean, some people might give dollar amounts or they might say, Hey, I want to do a hundred thousand this year, or I want to do two hundred thousand dollars in gross sales, right? Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, in uh, yeah, in, in gross sales. But I don't like associating success with money because every year is going to be better than the one before. And if you're just chasing like another dollar amount, I think that you're you're losing sight of like what's actually happening in the everyday and today. So whenever we would have these huge jobs go off without a hitch. And even if there was like, we had a breakdown. Okay. Well, let's, we have another chip worth of shock. We have backup plans. We have all these things in, in, in place that, that bring even a bad situation and make it go away because we, you know, we've planned mm-hmm. for these things. So that's, like I said, that's what the success is for me is that we have put systems in, and this year, even more than ever, I mentioned that we had, we were eight people last year, this year, we're going to start off the year likely with only five and have to having to make new hires. So we have to train people and we have to make them, you know, buy the vision mentality yeah. and, and hop and hop on board very quick and hit the ground running. So uh, much like it's tree care is a bit different than, than, than lawn care. I've experienced it all. It's, uh, it's a lot more dangerous. I feel like you have to be a lot more alert. Yeah. Uh, we're using tools that can instantly cut off your leg. Uh, wood is thousands of pounds of wood that are mm-hmm. flying around in the air. Um, but many lessons that I have learned from lawn care are impacting my everyday business decisions and, and strategies today. And likewise, somebody who's in lawn care might say this, this doesn't really make a sense. I'm not in tree care, but I think there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from each other and uh and and yeah grow 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 our own businesses yeah definitely uh tree care is not something to mess around with uh even uh, in my own lawn care business i do a little bit of everything like hedge trimming and things like that when it comes to tree pruning and stuff i will take it on if it's um small stuff like you know, small fruit trees, things like that. If they need that done, I'll do that. Anything bigger, I'm like, uh, you need an arborist for this. I'm not <laughs> messing with that. That's beyond the scope of uh, what, uh, you know, I'm comfortable doing. And it, that came from experience of when I was younger and dumber doing those things, uh, trying, you know, bigger trees and stuff and seeing, okay, this is this is dangerous. <laughs> there's, you know, like you said, there's a lot of, you know, even uh, branches that aren't 
massive are still very heavy and can cause issues if you're up on a ladder and things fall and hit the ladder and think there's like a lot and you've got a chainsaw in your hand and there's a lot that can go wrong very quickly uh so uh yeah i totally get uh, where you're coming from uh, i was actually going to ask you about uh, you mentioned there was a lot of lessons from lawn care that went in and i was that was one of the things i was thinking uh, about uh was uh in that transition to uh, tree care, uh, what's sort of like the one uh, standout thing? Of course, there's probably much more um, regulations and insurance requirements and things that you needed to adjust to. Um, are there any like sorts of like things that you really had to kind of think of doing differently? Yeah. So the, the fun thing about lawn mowing is you kind of you set it and you forget it. And in, 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 in the general sense, you have your four or five days a year, a week that you're doing your grass cutting and you know what your schedule is. Right. So you do all your quotes in the spring. You might do side jobs for your clients throughout the years, but you have the opportunity to drive by their house and do that quotation every single week whenever you're cutting their grass. Uh, with tree work it was totally different. You had to start off the year with zero contracts and you have to go out and advertise you have to go out there and quote work you have to go and better education like we had the emerald ash forest sweep through and kill a bunch of trees now we have other pests that are coming in we have to learn okay well when not to prune our trees when do we uh what kind of applications can we give them so there's a it's a more of an ongoing education uh, i find compared to to my experience in grass cutting yeah and uh at the same time quoting is totally different you i'm going out at night now to quote so two nights a week to three nights a week Usually I do Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'll go out after work or on my way home, and I'll stop by and see a few jobs. Uh, we have a secretary now, Tammy, who's great, so she'll actually call ahead and schedule these quotes instead of me having to like call in, hey, do you happen to be home? So I think we're be able to finally give more better, uh, better customer service in that regard with a secretary. But, yeah, it's, it's a totally different game in the back end when it comes to uh, how to schedule things. Uh, it's a lot more work on the brain. I yeah. talk about lawn mowing being a bit monotonous. Yep. I kind of miss that sometimes because the, the tree care is like the complete opposite. It's an absolute a bullet train and it doesn't stop. And that's why we take a break in the winter. So we go hard from April until mid, uh, mid-December and then we just take a break. Um, I really do. I, I think it's really important. I actually just dropped a YouTube video explaining five reasons why uh, I take this break and I shut down everything fully. Five negative reasons that happen because of it, but also five positive things I like to do instead. So I'm yeah. On YouTube is is Phil Vision as well. Uh, that's just a shameless plug. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hope you don't mind. No, but no, yeah, no. It's, that's like one of the biggest changes I find is like the scheduling. And um, the, the work-life balance like takes a little bit more work. It takes the lawn mowing. I was always home at supper time, yeah. uh, unless if it was raining and I had catch-up to do. But right now, with tree work, I find like I'm, I'm out a little bit more. But it has open doors to so much more. I found like the rate. And uh, actually, I'll go back to what one person told me who was actually in the asphalt business. He says, Phil, grass cutting is the same price now as it was 25 years ago. He says whenever he was in business, lawns were 20 to $25 per cut. This is in our area. Yeah. And it, whenever I got out of grass cutting around uh, eight years ago, prices were still around the same, 20 to $25 a cut um, in that range. He's like, prices have not gone up, you know, in a close to 25, 30 years. He says there's 
no money in it. Now, I, I disagree with that. I think that if someone it works on their own and they have very low overhead and they are able to have some extras, they can make a very good, comfortable living. You know, you yeah. could do 100000 a year. You could do $150,000 a year. But I realized that where I wanted to go, um, I didn't want to keep on on doing the same thing. And another reason what actually got me out of, of hedge trimming full time was was limitations to my body. I actually have a broken left collarbone that I broke snowboarding whenever I was younger. And lifting a hedge trimmer, uh, the blade side with your left hand, because I'm a righty, was very, very it was starting to hurt me and starting to wear down on my body. And my actually my whole body was torqued and, and crooked because I was only using like certain muscles more than others. So I would walk, I was walking around a little lopsided and I said, I need to find some sort of, I need to change this. I just can't keep on doing this. I was, I was not happy in my skin as we would say. So mm-hmm. tree work is actually a full body workout. You know, you're climbing with both hands, you're reaching around everywhere. And it, yep. it's, it doesn't make, it doesn't sound like it might make a big difference, but it really did for me. And I still do hedge trimming, but I don't do a thousand hours a year anymore. You know, I maybe do 200 hours. So for me, that was a, uh, that was one other huge reason to um, switch things up and not only only do hedge work. So yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm gonna just touch on your um, when you're talking about uh, the lawn care part of it and being um, kind of uh, if you're running really efficiently and stuff like that. And that's something that I always preach. I always say that I believe personally small lawns with small mowers is more profitable than big stand or, you know, stand on mowers or ride on mowers and stuff like that. Uh, and doing larger properties. Cause there's kind of a top end on the prices you get from that. Whereas the lower, uh, smaller stuff. And also, um, the key obviously, uh, is root density. I was actually laughing this week. Yeah. One of the things I do in the off season, uh, is I do my yearly once a year oil change on my diesel truck. And I only do it once a year because in the truck, it tells me like how much oil life you have left. Um, after 2023 season, uh, it said I had 56% left. Uh, I went to go do the oil change and it didn't even hit the 5,000 kilometers on the sticker on the windshield from my last oil change a year ago because my root density uh, is so tight. It's all in my neighborhood. Every lawn that I do is all right here. Uh, and it's one of the keys of being profitable, I'm not spending tons of time in traffic, not spending all this money on fuel and all that. Uh, so yeah, it's one of those things, like you said, running super efficiently and lean in your business, uh, can make all the difference, uh, for, for lawn care. hundred yeah. percent. And, and we're, we're actually like that as well. And, uh, like your, your kilometers, I'm glad I can speak to another kilometer brother Yeah, and uh, all our, all, all friends in the States, uh, just, you know, just multiply it by 0.6 and you know, and you're good. Yeah. I think it's about 3000 miles. Yeah. But, um, it's very much the same thing with me. And that's one of the big things I have to thank lawn mowing for is teaching me that root density. And I transferred that over into, into tree care. So I was very much focused on, we're not going to drive off the island, the West Island of Montreal. So Montreal, we are a small little island, uh, small, all things considering could take an hour to drive across. But yeah. I wanted to stay in the West sector and not leave it. And keeping that root density has really led to efficiency. Uh, we, yes, sometimes it's a bit slower during the year, but whenever you're fully focused, you're driving more in one little area. So we have like a 25 minute radius, I guess you could say. Okay. Uh, we're, we're on the north part of the, uh, of the island, northwest part. I mean, kind of go drive southwards and back up, if you can imagine. So we're never really driving north at all. We kind of just go down and back up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the furthest we'll drive south is around 25 minutes. And uh, we're able to get a lot of work done 
on the way to jobs and on the way back up north in a very efficient way without kind of like looping around area. We're kind of in a particular area, having our shop there as well. But yeah, lawn mowing taught me root density. That's one thing I carried over. But one like mentioned, one thing that you mentioned, the biggest change I think with lawn mowing to tree work is you're not dealing with like ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar piece of equipment anymore. You're dealing with 50, 60, 70, and yeah. we even have a quarter million dollar spider lift. Now, we did not pay for this. I do, uh, I lease to own almost all my equipment. So, you know, payments show up as a lease. We could talk about this later. Yeah. And then you essentially make a monthly payment. You pay higher interest, but you can write it off entirely. So, yes. uh, I, for me, wanting to grow the business fast. This was the only way to go about it, not paying equipment out cash or also I'd still be around with like a six inch chipper. You know, now we have a 12 inch with a 15 inch and our efficiency and the volume of work we can get done cover and cover even more than the monthly payments. Yeah, yeah. So for us, yeah, a big surprise in this industry was exactly that. Um, the big change uh, was one I wanted to mention from your previous question Yeah, uh, is, yeah, having you know, many more zeros, it feels like at the end. And our trucks also, man, like 5,000 kilometers each. Uh, it's, it's, it's hilarious that the dealerships, they, they look at us funny. We've had trucks for four years and they still have under 20,000 kilometers on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's pretty funny. They were trying to, uh, it's funny that oil change place. They were like trying to, Hey, you, you know, they're, they're trying to show me like, they'll show you all the stuff. Like here's your transmission fluid. It's dirty. I'm like, no, it's not. It's clean. <laughs> like, I just, I just did it. Right. And they're like, here's your air cleaner. I'm like, I changed that. Like, you know, it's like they, they don't And I, I literally peeled the sticker. Cause it was one of those places where you don't get out of the car. Uh, so I peeled the sticker off and I showed him, here's the kilometers from the last one. And he's like, Oh, <laughs> like it's been like less than 5,000 kilometers, buddy. <laughs> So it's just one of, one, of, one of those things. So this next question, um, I'm going to ask you the question, then we're going to take a quick break for the sponsored ads. I'm going to give you some time to think about it, and then we'll get back to get your answer. And that question is, share a time that you struggled in your business and what you learned or did to overcome it. So uh, we'll get uh, your answer right after we come back. So stay tuned. In lawn care today, with the right equipment, you can do jobs quickly and correctly. Hi. Jonathan Guinari here. As a product manager at Z Turf Equipment, I'm focused on innovations that help you get jobs done faster without sacrificing the quality your customers expect. From our acclaimed Z Spray spreader sprayers to our Z Aerate line and beyond, you can do more in less time. Visit zturfequipment.com today to learn more about our innovative line of products. Press is leading the transition from gas-powered lawn equipment for professional use with the industry's first truly game-changing innovation in battery-powered OPE. The Crest 8-Minute Cyber System allows Crest-made 60-volt batteries to fully charge in 8 minutes or less. Now, professional landscapers can replace their gas-powered equipment without sacrificing performance, power, or runtime. And with a full line of equipment benchmarked against gas-powered products, landscapers can finally take Take charge of their business and make the switch to battery. For more information or to find a dealer near you, visit Cress.com. Cress, we power the professionals. All right, Phil. So uh, share with us a time you struggled in your business and what you learned or did to overcome it. Yes, yeah, so 
think I have to just bring you back to that time whenever I was super obsessed with wanting to be there all the time. And it was kind of like self bondage, right? Yep. You, you don't, you're just struggling to have a, to free yourself up and, and, and trust anybody else. Right. And it took a little bit of convincing and it, it took me six years. And I don't really know how or who, or what was the, 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 the factor that caused me to finally trust somebody else to go do the work, but it was, a, I had found something else. Right. So from then I was able to focus a lot more on something that I had wanted to do. But yeah, I think, I think you could say one of the hardest, that was a personal struggle, I guess, of just wanting to be there all the time. And I think that is important. Whenever you have your name out there and you're starting off in business, you have to be there all the time at first, yep. but I would, I'd recommend to anybody that's in business to try to reach out, and and bring somebody else into the business you can't do everything on your own now maybe you do want to do everything on your own but if you have any hopes of growing a business start this off sooner than later bring somebody in um and 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 trust them trust them to to uh to 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 take over parts of the business that that you don't always want to to be working and learn how to delegate um another interesting one that i was uh, thinking about during the break was I bought a wood chipper. Our first wood chipper we bought was a six inch wood chipper. Uh, we put uh, an hour on the machine and I realized right away that I made a mistake. This oh. thing was not going to be able to produce to the, to the capacity that we wanted it to produce. So I asked the dealer, Hey, would you take a trade back? And he told me, yeah, but you used it. And then I had to take a hit. Yeah. And the, for the $4,000 hit I did with the trade in, we got the 12 inch. Uh, we made that back up in efficiency and, you know, in six weeks, just in being able to get out of jobs quicker, get to the next job quicker. Instead of having to watch branches go in the chipper, uh, we could each and every one of us throw things in the chipper, go and get some more branches and everything was disappeared because yeah, yeah. we had, we had an 89 horsepower gas piece of equipment. So that was, um, that was a, not a super low part. I'll, I'll be honest. God has been good. Um, I've not had any like crazy hiccups. You know, we haven't, uh, had any serious injuries uh, in, in any of our staff, uh, but the, those will come, but it's, you have to have systems in place for whenever they do happen. Right. Um, my brother, uh, who is, uh, I love talking to him about business. He always asks me, Phil, what's your bus factor? I'm like, what's my bus factor? And what that means is like, if you get hit by a bus, what happens to your business? Mm. What's your bus factor? And I can finally say that right now, after being in business for 15 years, in the past, you know, three years, I've kind of, I think we have those systems in place to be able to, hey, Phil, uh, like I, like you, I met you in Kentucky. You know, the guys around the show back home. Uh, I went out with Echo to see their factory in the month of uh, July it was, and the boys run the show back home just fine. So yeah, yeah. Um, being able to have people, or even if I was to get injured, being able to have systems in place and income still coming in is huge. If all of a sudden you can't go and cut grass anymore, you'd have to make sure somebody could be able to take over for you. Yeah. Um, not not just you, but anybody, right? So I think it's, it's good to have a backup plan. It's good to have uh, make friends with other people in your area area that could hypothetically uh, bail you out in case but uh yeah it's, uh, it's it's you have to have a backup plan 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely uh, great advice. It's something that, like I said, I have struggled with uh, that aspect of it. Um, I think my biggest struggle more than the control, though, is that I just like being alone. <laughs> that's my biggest oh, thing. That's, I'm, that's I'm, not so, bad I'm so introverted. I remember um, speaking of uh, Echo, uh, I was in the UAG program uh, for a few years as well. And I remember going to that factory tour. And w- the first morning, we we're like all down uh, at a, the hotel in the, in the lobby having like the breakfast and stuff and naturally like I went and grabbed my and everybody's like sitting at tables and stuff and I grabbed my breakfast and I've talked about on the podcast how I'm so introverted and quiet and stuff like that and I grabbed my breakfast and I went and sat at a table by myself right didn't even think about it I just sat because that's who I am and somebody got up uh, one of the other guys and he walked by and he stopped and he looked at me he says wow you really are introverted. <laughs> like everybody's <laughs> over here sitting at the table chatting and you went by yourself to sit, you know, to have breakfast by yourself. And it's just unconscious, like something just didn't, I just did it just because that's what I like is being on, on my own sort of thing. Right. So it's just one of those, one of the things that I struggle with, uh, with that, but it absolutely hits home when I, uh, I've had, uh, issues with gout uh, as well uh, as of uh, the last maybe 10 years or so. And there's some times where I get flare ups and, uh, if you know anything about gout, it can feel like you've got a broken foot. Uh, you'll wake up in the morning and you can't even like, I'll wake up and I'm on crutches. I can't put any weight on my foot wow. and it's so painful. And it's like, okay, it's six thirty in the morning and I got to start mowing lawns at nine. What do I do? Right. And it's like popping painkillers, right? So that it like numbs it. And by the time nine o'clock rolls around, I'm, I'm in pain still, but I can, be mobile without crutches and I'll get through the day slowly getting those lawns done, but it's, I have to rely on me because I didn't do those things. I didn't, you know, get those employees and things like that to have that to fall back on. It's, it's on my shoulders, right? So definitely something the audience needs to think about, as you said, but I love that. Uh, what's your, your bus factor. That's a, a great perspective way, to, <laughs> a great perspective way to put it. Well, you have contracts with people, right? And I think it's just important to have some sort of a plan. And like I flew by the seat of my pants for, you know, well over 10 years, I did not have a plan. And uh, I finally do now. And uh, the plan is internal, right? We have uh, systems in place. You know, the 2024 for Vision Landscapes is a year of structuring and grow from within. You know, in the past five years, people looked at us grown and they're like, wow, we have two new chip trucks, two chippers, loader, lift, grapple trailer, a bunch of stuff. Uh, but this year, it's going to be a lot more of a growth from the inside. We're not going to be chasing new equipment. I know I say that every single year, but I'm actually expecting a bit of a smaller year mm-hmm. in terms of sales. Uh, uh, we haven't had an ice storm yet. We had one last year, and it was a crazy year in business. But um, I'm expecting a bit of a smaller year in business. Uh, and our budget that I, I prepared can stomach that. But I really want to focus on training new people, structuring those that are here already, and and yeah, it's it's gonna be a year of uh, internal growth, which will not be really visible. I know a lot of um, people. Um, I, <laughs> this is not you, and this is probably not anybody that you could that you would know. But we all know that these people out there on social media see people just showing flashy new trucks and this and that. And if they have the if they have a dollar amount in their bio on Instagram, like two million dollar landscape pieces, five million dollar landscaping pieces, I I I disconnect right away. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. personally like to follow those people because. Yeah. Um, it's top revenue, top line in, in say in business is nothing. It's, it's all about how much percentage your profits you're making. Like a company that does a million dollars that is, uh, pulling in, uh, 
uh, it's only 10% profitable is uh, is the same thing as someone who's doing half a million who's 20% profitable, yeah, right? Yeah. So it, it's not about top line. And I, I tend to like to stay away from those people that are a little bit too flashy with their equipment, this and that. We just, we, we have it. Um, it makes us money, but it, it doesn't define us. What defines us is, you know, the guys that get to go to work with every single day, the trust that we have with each other, our bonds as brothers, and that's what's going to get developed a lot more this year, but in more of like a professional sense, you know, structure, role assignment, things like that. So um, we've been uh, not kind of like flying by the seat of our pants in the past few years. It's been an absolute whirlwind. It's been a wave. We've been surfing it hard. Uh, we've bought a lot of toys, but it's time to hunker down and to really develop this into systems that will make uh, more and more people want to come and work for Vision. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, one of the things I always say too. Like, I'll get a lot of young people DMing me, and one of the questions they always ask, they start off with, is, um, "How many clients do you have?" And I, my response is always, "You're asking the wrong question. It shouldn't matter how many clients I have. Look at examples like Paul Camara, who obviously he's doing something right. He's been in the game for so long with multiple trucks, and he's got employees and stuff. And you know, last." Uh, with his mowing clients and, and the landscaping stuff that he does, I think he's always around like under 30 clients, but they're the type yeah. of clients that he's doing, right? It's those estate properties with that keep them busy all year long. And, uh, and yeah. right. So it's, it's, yeah. it's a loaded question when you see these yeah, kind of young people kind of focusing in those, like those types of things. Um, yeah. Someone starting off in business, I would say, at first, you have to diversify yourself a lot more. You have to go out there. You have to be willing to do a whole bunch of stuff, yep. right? And and lawn mowing. Lawn mowing is kind of like the gateway into doing more things. But realize, and I didn't really like doing hardscapings. I would do it here and there because I liked a change of pace. But whenever I had to do hardscaping, I had to take out all my lawn mowers. I had to bring in the wheelbarrows. I had to, uh, I had to empty my bed, go get a load of gravel. I didn't yep. have a dump trailer. It, it brings in a whole different... Uh, you know, I think a paver saw. I have to ask my brother for a paver saw. So you have to be able to diversify yourself. But if, if oh, it's a thousand dollar paver job. There's five hundred dollars in materials, two hundred dollars in this, and there's like no money left. Like yeah, oftentimes yeah. <laughs> you're better off not going after bigger dollar amounts because you're not going to be making money in the end. I'd say if you're starting off in the green industry, I would recommend going soft skip only. So do your little hedges, do your do, do gardening, and you're going to laugh. But if you're on your hands and knees picking weeds, you're going to make more profits than if you're going to be laying down a new $1,000 walkway. I can guarantee yeah, yeah. you that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I would recommend for someone who's just starting off in business. Yeah. I always say too, like they should, um, especially when you're starting out, I always call it the teeter-totter kind of effect. You're going to have more time than you have jobs. So you can uh, do those little extra things. Like you may not want to do weeds or things like that, but those are the types of things that you'll take on because that's what's available at the time when you have all that extra time. As your business gets established, that teeter-totter is going to pivot and now you're going to have more work than you have time available. And then you can start niching and figuring out exactly what you want to do and what customers and turning down that other stuff that uh, you don't want to do. Even if it's just lawns and you're taking on every type of lawn, but then as you get busier, you can start turning down those uh, lumpy lawns and those ones that are full of dog poop and all that sort of stuff and focus in on sort of the nicer uh, properties and stuff like that uh, as you as you get along. Um, what would you say is one hidden pitfall uh, with running a landscaping business that you see prevents other people from succeeding? 
So maybe something that you notice other businesses do and you're like, eh, that's probably not something they should be doing or. This is going to be very controversial. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll probably take the heat for it, but I'll say it anyways. And this is not just stem from the fact that I'm a Christian. And I believe in doing things honestly. If, pe- if some other people want to work differently, that's fine. But I have found, and I, so I'll say this up front, we don't work for cash. Okay, so yeah. we, don't, we have never have worked for cash. We, don't, we declare all the money we make. Mm-hmm. Now, occasionally, you know, a little, little, little lady might say, okay, here's 20 bucks, do this, or here's like $50, can you do that? And I'm like, we call it coffee money. We take it. We don't take it into income. Uh, we don't buy new equipment. If it goes straight to our car, co- we have a $3,000 coffee machine in the shop. So it needs coffee beans. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the, the rare occasion, but all the money that we invoice and all the money that we do for jobs, I take and I write, you pay us my check or you can pay us with cash. But we charge tax. So yeah. for me, that is what I do as a Christian. Uh, before God, I want to make things honest. But even besides that, a byproduct from working for cash, I find having things undocumented is that it it breeds and it leads a certain kind of clientele that thinks that they have won at the point of discussion. And I have seen it in other businesses and it leads to people getting taken advantage of, you know, either, um, Hey, no, you don't have a contract for that. Or no, you don't have that documented or, Oh, only write me an invoice. If something goes wrong and then your insurance can take care of it. Oh, that's not what you said. That was, if there's no, if nothing is written down and properly understood and, and, we take we take a hit from that. We obviously lose on a lot of work because we don't work like this. Yep. But we have not had problems. I mean, my amount. I think people only owe me like under a hundred bucks in fifteen years of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we keep we keep very short account, and I finally we have attracted a kind of clientele that respects us and doesn't feel. And like people ask us all the time, oh hey, would you? T-? And we just say, unfortunately, no, we don't. It's just not how we operate. Yeah, and um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it. I would say stay away from that. I try doing things honest. You know, even you don't have to be a Christian to believe in honesty. Yeah. But yeah. Try, tr- try being, try doing this. Try. And if one, it's good for your credit. If you're trying to buy new equipment, if you, you have, um, yeah, you'll pay more taxes, but if you, if you're able to show a lot more uh, revenue, um, look, uh, that's gonna, that's gonna be good for you to be able to get a loan and things like that. Yeah. But, um, I, I don't I don't like loans. Uh, if you're looking to buy a piece of equipment, ask them if they do lease to own. Mm-hmm. Lease to own is essentially you're going to pay like eight to nine percent interest rate. You'll pay a lot more, but every single payment is going to be as a as a lease. So 100%, you can deduct yeah. it. You can deduct it a hundred percent every single month, every single year, and at the end, the only downfall is that you don't have like a a um, you don't have you don't have like a how could I say you don't have like an asset really in your company unless you have a higher buyback. Like I do all my buybacks at ten dollars at the end just so that I can have like a higher payment. And um, so that's a negative. Like you don't have like a huge asset you can like capitalize at the end. Yeah. But you've been essentially uh, using a piece of equipment. Uh, if like I mentioned before, if I had to deal with smaller chippers or a smaller lift because we couldn't afford. It, who can afford a quarter million dollar spider lift? Yeah, yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Not in the, not in their third year of tree business. Yeah, but yeah. hey, could you afford three thousand dollars a month? Yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. No, a hundred percent. I love that advice uh, that you gave. It's something that I've always done. Um when I'm quoting clients, I will have like a I email clients and it'll literally be like a couple of lines breaking down the costs of what it'll be. But then it's like 
the rest of the page is all terms of service of everything so that it's all up front of what they can expect if they hire me, what happens if yep. there's dog waste in their yard and what it's going to cost and what happens, you know, on rain days and what happens in the summertime. So it's all documented. So there's no surprises. And the, the way uh, and saying like, it's all billed to your credit card. There's no other option. We don't do cash. And the times, you know, you always get those customers that will say, you know, how much if I pay you cash? And I always get around it by saying, I don't do cash because, um, you know, every five years or so when I go into the bank and I got to re, you know, uh, uh, negotiate my mortgage and stuff like that, I could have, uh, thousands of dollars in my pockets falling out of my pockets. It doesn't mean anything to them unless it's on, it's documented. Uh, and it doesn't help me out. I have to do everything by the book, everything. And if that doesn't work for you, then unfortunately you'll have to find somebody else. Uh, to do it right. And they usually understand once they get, because they've been in that position. They know when you go to the bank, you got to show your income, you got to show what you've been making stuff. You can't do jobs for cash and stuff like that. Uh, and then expect to be able to go get a mortgage or whatever the case you you need, your credit and all that sort of stuff. It's got to be documented. Um, and yeah, to- I think it's, it's think big, right? Like I find like people that would work for cash, they'll save up a few thousand dollars in cash. Okay, I can go get another truck or I can get another chipper. And like, the, I, I feel like it's a mentality of like being too focused and worried about the smaller things. Like trust yeah, yeah. the bigger process, charge your taxes, pay your taxes, mm-hmm. like, give to Caesar what, uh, what is doing to Caesar. And you know what's going to happen in the end? Like you're going to see a lot more of a bigger picture. You're going to say, "Well, I have this money in the bank account. I can go and I can I I, I can lease this thing now." Yeah. yeah. I, I, these companies that are working for cash, like they're just they're just I I I see them sputtering. I see them small, and this is I think it apply in any in 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 any industry. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of that. Uh, uh, what did they call it? Like a. Um... Uh, the type of mindset uh, it's kind of like a limited mindset uh, um uh, forget not an abundance mindset the opposite the, the word's not coming to my head right now but um that sort of thing right where it's not abundant uh, uh it's uh, the opposite of that um let's talk about equipment for a little bit uh you talked about trucks and uh um, chippers and all that sort of stuff but i think one of the most intriguing pieces of equipment that i see you using is the little japanese kai truck so how did that come about yeah so that came about i was looking for little trucks to go around and do estimates and i was shopping for like little toyota uh tacomas and i was like twenty thousand dollars for old ones i'm like oh well for twenty thousand, I could get two or three of these little trucks. So I started looking in, and I found somebody that was able to import them, and they import you know dozens of them a year. I fell in love with them right away. Um, the The delay was too long for him to ship them in, so I actually found somebody locally that was selling one, and from there I bought two more since then. And yeah, they're so much fun to rip around in, uh, do estimates in them. We have logos, so they're good for advertising. I even have one that's a dumper and a scissor lift. So yeah, uh, there may there may or may not be a video of me uh, head trimming at the top of it while my wife is uh, driving around, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh it's safer than the painter scaffolding back in the day i'll tell you that but yeah they're 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 a lot of fun they're a couple of them are four by four and uh yeah they're they're good try, uh, good times um we live in the east coast of canada so they're a lot more expensive than where you are because yeah. they don't have to hop on a train so i think they might only be like six or seven grand where you are yeah, and they'll be like right, almost yeah. nine they'll be nine or ten out here but um fun little trucks for anybody that is uh it's, I, I don't do any of the mechanics. So one thing I've learned in life is learn how to delegate. And I do not have the knowledge or the time to tinker around with carburetor engines. So any repairs that need to get done, they are getting spent. Uh, they're getting sent out to mm-hmm. other people to take care of. And so far, so good. I, I really enjoy them. Yeah, they're getting very, very popular. I, I remember seeing my first one probably about... 
10 years ago at our local like um uh peony fair um like the, the little the fair with like the the amusement park rides and stuff that they have every summer here um and it was uh indoor and like a, a home uh services uh kind of exposition that they had and it was a, a company that was like they were advertising like they scare birds away like pigeons and stuff at airports and and anytime so they had one of those japanese kai trucks and it was all like painted like lime green and the logos and stuff and i was like that's such a cool that would make such a cool little lawn care truck like it's tiny and it had like the dumper bed and all that stuff i was like that thing is awesome and then uh, like i said they've become so popular there's actually a a used car dealer here that that's all they sell is their whole lot is full of kai trucks (laughs) there so oh absolutely yeah, absolutely believe it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's it's taking over. There's a Kai revolution going around. There's a few, uh, yeah, all over. They're all over the West Coast. Pretty popular. And yeah, they're, if anybody's looking at them, uh, don't pay more than you know five grand US, uh, eight nine thousand Canadian. But um, they're a lot of work. Uh, try to find one maybe that's a little cleaner. You might pay a little more. I've put a couple thousand dollars in each one of them just to get them up to mm. speed on top of purchase pricing. So they're turning out to be a little bit of an expensive hobby. I might try to sell one this year, uh, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, driving on the right hand of a truck is uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, it's neat seeing the uh, the picture on your Instagram. You do in the hedge, and you're in the the <laughs> scissor lift bed. They're <laughs> like, that's so cool to be like driving along the side of the hedge uh, with the scissor lift truck, and you're just trimming the hedges from there. Very neat. Uh, and uh, a neat little uh, uh, vehicle. <clears throat> so what would you say uh, is your uh, biggest frustration uh, with running your business? Biggest frustration, um, I would say, is is finding spots where to get rid of stuff. Now, because we live in such a small area, and I refuse to drive too far to to dump. Now we have dumps and we're never stuck. We could drive, you know, 45 minutes off the Island, but they're redoing that bridge off the Island and it's an absolute nightmare. So we can avoid that at all times. We will. Um, but so my biggest frustration is, you know, is where to dump, uh, wood chips, where to dump logs, where to dump uh, cedar hedge clippings. Um, I know a lot of, I, I could, like I said, drive 45 minutes to do so, but I don't want to, at the end of the day, I don't want to go and do that. I want to go home. I'm going to go see my wife and kids. I have estimates to do and you could send employees to do it, but uh, they can't do it at the end of the day. Uh, you don't want them to come in and do it at five o'clock in the morning. I, if you want to keep everything within like a seven to five or whatever window, um, it's a challenge and we don't have a huge yard. We have a shop. There's no area to dump there. So there's a couple of, I've kind of found a little work around here and there. Uh, we can store the wood in a, oftentimes at my house until we have like too much and then we'll go and dump it out of town mm. or the wood chips. We found a few farmers, a few community gardens here and there that want to have it, but it is a challenge. And I'm, I'm, I'm actively shopping for like a bigger uh, property, bigger area where we could have that result. Cause if we can have that result, it's going to be uh, a lot simpler. We don't have to worry about how, how much stuff is in the truck is tomorrow's job. going to fit. Yeah, yeah. When do we need to dump it? We love eliminating questions. When you have a question, I kind of, I don't really write it down, but I take note of it and we try to address it. We try to find a way how to make life easy around uh, that little hiccup. So that's kind of how that, that I'd say would be the bigger, the, the, the biggest little inconvenience right now for the company today. But it's something that I am uh, found a, a bypass around for now, but actively trying to find a way to, to improve. Awesome. So if you were to start your uh, business all over again, what is one thing you would do differently? 
Ah, you know what? Oh boy. I don't think I'd be mature enough. 20, I got 20 years old to be running a tree care company. I really do think that I had to live through all those different phases mm-hmm. of business and either hedge work and either, uh, in lawn mowing first, you know, eight yep. years hedge work and, and, and tree care to, to become, uh, uh, who I am today as a company owner and what this company is right now, what I would do differently. Um, Oh boy. I probably would not take as many chances throughout the years and risks. I would, um, have learned to, to, to know my limits and to, to delegate sooner. It, it's something that I, knowing where I was, where I am today, it's something I should have done a long time ago is learn how to sub things out and delegate and to hire internally where necessary instead of just trying to do everything yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. There's something I thought I could do for a while, but obviously couldn't. So I'd learned how to let go a little bit quicker. And uh, yeah, I, I don't have too many regrets. I kind of really enjoy the journey. Uh, I no, there's no success says that never happens overnight. And I look at yep. sales throughout the company and they've always gone up. They've always gone up. They've always gone up every single year. And you kind of ask yourself, well, hi, is the, how is that possible? Well, it's, 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 the, it's just a result from all the decisions you've made the year before and the year before that and the year before that. And it, they just compound and you become a, a better person. You become a better leader. You become a better business because of your experience. So if anybody's starting off today, um, and oh, you don't need to go to business school to, to learn how to how to be to be good lawn care business operator. You can listen to these podcasts. You just got to get out there and work hard, and you'll find out pretty quickly that um, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense for you, and you'll kind of carve your own journey throughout this. And don't don't hesitate to ask questions around you to some other industry leaders like you, Julie or mm-hmm. Paul, that might have you know decades of experience yep. behind them and. And sometimes have the time to, to coach you along the way. But yeah, I've, I've really appreciated my first 15 years. I don't know how many years I have. I think I have at least another 15 left mm-hmm. in me. But uh, <laughs> I'm very open. I have no idea what the future may bring. And uh, it's it's fun. And it's I can't wait for 2024. This year is going to be, uh, I can't wait for this year. It's going to be a different kind of year. Like I said, we're not, I'm not focused on top line. Yeah. I'm more focused on, building things out for the future and how things can be even better in, in decades to come. Awesome. So we're going to uh, start to wrap up. I've got a few more questions for you. Actually, uh, the next question I was going to ask you, uh, I think you just answered it and that was uh, share your best piece of advice with those just starting out in business. I think you just kind of, uh, there you go. kind of sum that one up. So we'll go to the next two questions or the last two questions and they're kind of fun ones. Uh, this one I'm going to change up. Normally I ask people uh, what their uh, dream job was as a kid. You can answer that, but I've got a kind of a special twist just for you. Uh, and that is, what is your darn fascination with ice? You've got backyard ice rinks. You're doing ice baths in the wintertime. <laughs> you're like, uh, got this weird uh, fetish with ice. What's up with that? <laughs> uh, well, I've been skating since I'm four years old. Uh, we made a hockey rink behind my house growing up, and I've always wanted to do this with my kids. So two years ago when we moved to this acre property, uh, which is almost unheard of in our area, uh, we just it's an older house and that's why I think it was why it was affordable, but we have a nice piece of land and Hey, I want to make rinks for my kids. I have mm-hmm. five kids under, under, under 11 years old. And I know this is 10 and I've all, they love to skate. And 
you think about the work it takes to make a rink, well, it's a lot less than bundling everybody up and bringing them to the rinks uh, uh, every now sense. and then. So, yeah. <laughs> um, lot, lot, so two rinks, yeah, one for skating, one for hockey. And uh, the ice bath thing, that was just a challenge we had given ourselves. We, my little brother is into that a lot. And uh, uh, we kind of just challenged ourselves, let's do something new this year. Uh, let's try this out and see if we can do it. So my wife and I, three times a week, we took a nice bath in these big square barrels um, on our back porch. And it was very cold. We started off in only 10 seconds, 20 seconds, and it got better. It got better to the point where we were in there for, you know, a minute. Um, sometimes at zero degrees, which was, I think, our record. is just very cold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not pleasant. Um, what does it do to you? Well, there's studies that show, you know, increase in uh, alertness and uh, immune system and things like that for people that are able to do this over, you know, every day. Yeah. And, uh, but for us, we're not really doing it for the end result. It was more just for uh, the fun and the challenge. And uh, I just wore a different hat every day I did it and I repped a different company. I even had some people send me some hats and say, hey, Phil, can you wear my hat? Mm-hmm. I got you. So that, <laughs> it, that was fun. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I like ice, but not to the point that I want to work in it, though. So uh, the- actually, I, I broke my leg walking my dog slipping on ice and oh, walking. No. I was not running <laughs> when I was 14. So uh love hate love, love hate, hate, love hate. <laughs> there you go uh yeah it was, it, your backyard rinks were awesome by the way with the patio lights and everything hanging over them and and all that uh it was a uh, very uh very cool looking you had a whole look like you had a bunch of people skating on them uh, around the holidays and stuff and having a, it's not a too late uh, ice is still good if you want to come for skates there, <laughs> there you go i gotta give you props though i see in one of your photos you're wearing a vancouver canucks pavel burry jersey so uh uh, I think you're on a skateboard, though. But uh, I was like, "That's pretty cool." <laughs> yeah, big, big, big Burry fan. Canucks, not so much. But <laughs> big there you go. So, last question for you, and that is, how can people uh, follow you online? Yeah, so I. Uh, it's very easy. Uh, Vision Landscapes is my company. I talked about this at first. Phil is my name, so it's Phil dot Vision. Phil dot Vision on YouTube. Phil dot Vision on Instagram. I got on Instagram in 2019. My wife was just like, oh, you should try this out and put out some videos. And I wasn't really like super like into it at all. But I started posting videos and I started just develop like talking to people. This is in the day when you could post a picture of, the, of a hedge on Instagram and you would actually get attention. You get people responding to you and you didn't have to compete with uh, 12 year old boys uh, <laughs> dancing. So or girls at that point. But yeah, it's it, thankfully, uh, you know, uh, I've garnished uh, and developed many nice friendships with, with people. Paul, I've been talking to him on social media a long time before having met him. I'm sure you were as well. Yep. And um, yeah, so it's Phil.Vision, Instagram and and uh, and YouTube. And I have, I'm active on both. I've had a dormant YouTube, I'd said. I kind of would, every January for the past five years, I'd be like, yeah, that's amazing. Let's make a video. And I would post like one or two videos and then yeah. I would not do anything but this year so far i'm dropping a video every single week some of them are vlogs some of them are more educational and it's my one of my personal challenges to do all year mm-hmm. so uh yeah i really appreciate anybody that wants to go and follow me on there we talk uh, we talk everything small business much like usually i want to help out other people with my experience and I'm going to be addressing different topics uh, in my next video. I think we're talking about like, how do we price work? People are really curious on how we, um, how we go about deciding like how to price things. Right. So there's 
there's two factors in this and this is like a little sneak peek. It's you have to look at your equipment, you have to look at your overhead costs and there's, a, there's an amount that you, you should charge. Uh, I mean, there's an amount that you, the, that you have to charge. And then there's also the amount that you should charge to the client. Like what's the going rate in the market? You kind of have to like blend both them together. So um, stay tuned for that video coming out soon. Yeah. Awesome. I would equate uh, the YouTube. It could be, uh, like I said, uh, uh, you got to motivate yourself to kind of do it consistently stuff. Uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, the ice bath thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where you got to kind of work through the pain and just get into that rhythm and consistency. And, uh, you know, each day as your time goes up in that ice bath, uh, it'll get easier and easier put, putting those videos out and with that consistency and then kind of just doing it. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Phil, for coming on the, the show and uh, for uh, sparing some time uh, to tell us your story. Hey, well, look, Joe, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this is my second podcast on this year. I uh, absolutely loved it. I Once again, it's always fun to talk to another Canadian who's been in this industry, or Americans for that point, not afraid of you guys either. But uh, uh, thanks for having me, man. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. So there you have it, Long Care Nation. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that value-packed interview episode with Phil Leger from Vision Landscapes. I'll leave uh, links in the podcast show notes where you can find uh, his uh, Instagram uh, as well as his YouTube. Make sure you follow him on Instagram and uh, subscribe to his YouTube channel. So uh, that's it for this one, guys. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now. Bye for now.